Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. It is Garen and Jordan coming to you live talking about the the Trinity message, Trinity part four on Sunday, February 11th. And Garen, before we get into this message, which I enjoyed so much, and I've already heard others say that it was really impactful and I just can't wait. I, I mean, I really can't wait to get in and dive into this. You know, your favorite team won the Super Bowl yesterday, so we have to say something about it. So what, what do you have to say to your, your I mean, Chiefs fans the- out there? The best part of the game is like, there was a dude wearing a Peyton Manning jersey in one of those commercials, oh, and I got so excited. You know like, what I thought? I thought everyone at our church who sees this is thinking about Garen right now. Yeah, it was. But then it was a beer commercial, which made it kind of even funnier. Yeah, it kind of made it funnier. <laughs> and then Peyton shows up, and I'm like, it was worth, the, the whole game was worth just that. That's so, right. Uh, I'm glad I watched for that that 30-second spot. <laughs> that just made my night. It was really awesome. That the Broncos like could be in the spotlight. Oh man! On Super Bowl Sunday. So night. you just you're excited for everyone. And John to, Elway. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're excited for everyone to come up on on Sunday at church and just tell you about how much they enjoyed watching the game. You just can't wait to have all those conversations. Is that right? Yeah, can't wait for all of those. I think your favorite part about the Super Bowl was that football season's over now, and you don't have to endure, <laughs> don't have to worry. You don't yeah, have to endure. Don't this have to anymore. think about that anymore. Yeah, I kind of was thought when John, they gave John Elway the trophy to give it to him, I thought he might like toss like throw it up in the stands or something. Yeah, right. The <laughs> final he, Bronco he revenge. He, yeah. He's too classy He, he smiled and gave yeah. it to him, but I'm like, yeah. John, that was our chance. <laughs> okay, we've got our Chiefs talk out of the way. Hopefully you've skipped you've skipped forward if you don't care for that. The Chiefs talk is over now though for a whole year. Yeah, it's done. We're not, so, don't want to hear anymore. It's, we're not lamenting yeah. anymore. We're on to bigger things because Garen, you, like we said, took us through Trinity part four and each one of your Trinity messages has kind of had a little just like a little tiny glimpse into the Trinity. And so this one was really centered around the fact that the Trinity shows us uh, unity in diversity. Yeah. And which is kind of trippy to think about, but you, you unpacked it and you talked about how we as the the body reflect that back to him. Um, And so let's just kind of jump into it. You know, Genesis one and two, it talks about how humans are made male and female. So there's this diversity, but it's in God's image, which is unity. And so it's this, on, it's this long thread throughout the Bible of where we are asked to show our diversity, but also live within unity yes. with each other yeah. and with, with God. And with him, yep. So it's, it's one of these, you know, there's no, there's no easy pitches down the middle with the Trinity. It seems like <laughs> everything, you know, there's this one level where we can grasp it. There's always this deeper level where we're forced to wrestle with something that seems really unnatural to us. Yeah. So this was no different. It was kind of like that again. Um, you know, we're going to skip over kind of the first part because you really laid a lot of groundwork for this, which was good, but there's so much on the back end we want to get to. So I want to kind of jump ahead to a part of your message where you talked about how the three persons of the Trinity, they're not siloed. This is a word that you said, and maybe a lot of people had never heard it before, but you said these three persons of the Trinity are not siloed into their roles, but rather 
they each take the lead in different areas. And so can you unpack that for yeah. us? Like, what does this silo well, first, term mean? I'd always known, or I've heard for a long time, that they they had particular roles they lived into. And so I always knew that. I always thought God, Father is the creator and spirit is indwelling. This, and so in, in organizational talk, silo is when I'm in my my little slot in my company, like I'm, I'm the mar- in the marketing part. And all I care about is marketing. I don't really give a rip about anybody else's job. And so it, it creates kind of disunity in a company or I won't help somebody in another division because I just have my division. And it really struck me, and I have to, Adam is listening. Adam, I'll have to give you an explanation of this. Thank you for, you put me on to something that helped me to even see this, that, uh, that even though they do take lead, they kind of have departments, so to speak, if we were to say that, they take lead roles and things. To see in scripture that, that all of them, though, participate in that, the other two participate, they assist. It may not be their lead role, but they're all involved. So you don't have like, father just has his thing, and then he's like, all right, son, well, it's salvation time. You go down there and do that. And I'm going to hang out up here. Or then when they send the spirit, father and son are just chilling out on the couch, watching football or basketball and letting him do his thing. But they're actually all involved with each other, even though one has a lead role and is more prominent. And that, that, kind of, that concept, that part was kind of, was a new revelation for me recently of how they all participate with each other. And I like how you said it. It's not like they're just going rogue and like a dude's like, yeah, I'm just gonna. What I'm like, I'm just gonna go do this thing, and he runs off and does it all by himself. And mm, yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no time where one of the persons of the Trinity just runs off and is like, I'm gonna go do this thing, guys. I'll be right back. I mean, they all move in unison together, and it's this dance, it's this yeah. harmony. Yeah, where they're accomplishing these things together. You took us to a few spots in Scripture where they all accomplish these things together, and it kind of blew my mind, Garen. This is probably the number one thing that I really learned. This is my head. If we're going head, heart, hands, model. So like. I think in church, I was either taught directly or indirectly that, you know, the father is the creator. The son is the one who is responsible for salvation. The spirit is responsible for sanctification. And that's not to say that's not true. Right. And you're not doing away with that. Right. But you took us to places in scripture that showed us that actually all three persons of the Trinity are present in all those things. Yes. Yes. You know, salvation, resurrection, creation, indwelling. Spirit, spiritual gifts, gifts, right? Right. There's, there's, there's references, and we won't go through all of them. You can go back to Garen's message and listen if you want the spirit, the uh, the scripture references on those. But essentially, all three persons of the Trinity are present in all these. And while one person of the Godhead may take the lead, the other two are definitely in the equation yes. and have a role to play yes. in that. Yeah. And that was I had to kind of sit back for a second and say, oh, oh man, okay, that's a new category for me. Yeah. And it was for me a couple weeks ago. Again, Adam, I'll tell you why, how you helped me with that, but yeah. So it's all in service of unpacking this idea that there is unity in diversity within the Trinity, that they are unified, they are one, they are part of this dance, this harmony together, but there's diversity in the things that they do and in the the persons that they are, which once again is a brain breaker. It is. And it's it's, kind of It's one of these things that if somebody sits down and asks it of you, you're like, you know what? I can only take it so far because I, yeah. my brain hurts as much as yeah, yours does. It starts to fry a little bit. Yeah. I can smoke starts coming out of my ears. Somebody so. grabbed me before service last Sunday and they were asking me about this. And I said, you know what? I'm learning with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've got some knowledge about this, but truthfully, a lot of what we're talking about, I'm working through. And they said, well, you're supposed to know these things. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm doing my yeah. best. But, That's why you went to school, right? Is yeah. to figure this out. And it's, so all, we're all working through it here. 
the big thing here is that there is unity and diversity in the Trinity. Therefore, if we are a reflection of God back to him, there's got to be unity and diversity yes. in us as a body, yes. right? And so that was where we camped out. And I just, man, there was parts of this message where I truly wanted to like stand up and applaud. I was so excited for what we were talking about. I think this is so cool. So I'm excited to even dive into it here. So first you talked about diversity in the body, how the body of Christ is not supposed to look homogenous. Yeah, it's not, not supposed all. to all be one thing, yeah. not this vanilla yogurt where it's like just a big glob of the same. Yeah. It's way more beautiful than that. It's yeah. a mosaic. Yeah. Right? Yes. That might be a, a way to, uh, to describe it. So you talked about the different ways that we're to show diversity in the body. Generationally, right? In Acts 2, we see that there's different generations playing roles in this outpouring of the spirit and what God is doing in his new church. It's not like younger people take a seat, older people take the lead or yes, vice versa. Right. Yep. Everybody's got yep. a role to play. And so you challenge us, right? Like, are we pushing intergenerational relationships at 12? Yeah. Is that something that is really important to us? Or are we just doing our own thing? And if somebody who's not our age or not our generation happens to show up, that's a plus. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Take the temperature on that, Garen. Give us a give us maybe a a grade. Yeah, we're we, we've have multi generations more than a lot of churches. I want us to become more intergenerational. I think we're moving that way. I've seen some ways we've we've improved on it, but we still need, have a ways to go. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's that's why I said unity and diversity. This is hard to attain and to live out. But I think if we're aware of it and if we can push into it, then all the better for our body. Yeah. So. And then you talked about, you know, diversity in personality and uniqueness, that we are different people, that we have differences in who we are. And you challenged us and asked us the question, can we make room for others that are different than us in the body? Yep. Or do we need to have the same passions as somebody else to really love them? Or do they have to feel the same way about the things that we you know, feel certain ways about. Yeah. Are we okay with that diversity? And there? underneath that was where I talked about preferences, that as unique personalities, we all have different preferences. And, you know, I don't know if people, how much they think about that. You know, I think if somebody says, I would, I wish you would change this, they, they probably think they're, everybody thinks that. I don't know. Or nobody ever talks about this and they don't know that 300 other people are saying their preference and they're also radically different. But so different personalities lead to different preferences. So can I be content to not have my preferences rule the day Yeah, the and way, always have their way? The way that I took notes on it, and man, I was just like fist pumping in the pew when I heard you say this. You said, hey, TABC, can we be a place where your preferences don't have to reign? Do you always have to have your way here? Yeah. And man, holy cow, what a, what a gut punch at first but also what just a wake up call to like the fact that it's not about me and my preferences at church. Yeah. And there's things at 12 that I would, you know, if, if I had the keys and it was all about me, I would do different. Yeah. But the bottom line is it's about something so much more than my comfort and my preferences. And so to just hear you say that from the stage was one hard to hear, but also really exciting. Like, okay, yeah, let's rally around something bigger than ourselves. Yeah. Cause that's an exciting thing. Yeah. Next thing you talked about was diversity in Ethnicity, you know, you talk about Revelation 7, 9, Mark eleven seventeen, where we look ahead to heaven and it's not just a place for white guys or black guys or Asian guys or whoever, man, it's, it's, it's different genders. It's different races. It's, it's slave. It's free. Yeah. It's people from every social class, yes. every part of the earth. Yes. 
And it's all these people coming together to worship Jesus. And that's what he desires. Yeah. And, and wouldn't it be awesome if we as a church t- matched perfectly the demographic of our city in our mix-up? Yeah. And it's actually, I actually looked into that. Let's, I won't spend a lot of time. We're actually closer than I thought. There's one particular area that we're, that I'd like to see us do better. But yeah, that just, and I've less, one thing I love about 12 is the, the different ethnicities that are there and it's only good for us. Yeah. Yeah. You, once again, you gut punched us, Garen. You gave us this question. You said, 12th, are you intentionally reaching across ethnic differences in this body? Yeah. Like, are you seeing somebody who doesn't look like you on a Sunday morning and saying what's up? And, you know, at the very least, welcoming them and being known to them because we don't want to be split by anything in our body. We want it to be one unified body that's living for Jesus. Yeah. So, a lot of challenge in this yeah. one. It was good though. For all of us, for me. I mean, yeah, for everybody. Last one is the the spiritual gifts. There's diversity in spiritual gifts. You know, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. You talk about these places in scripture where we see that. Um, but then it talks about, you know, using these gifts to serve one purpose. Yeah, the common good. And you ask us that question. Are you serving in some way? Are you using your abilities for the common good? Yeah. yeah. There is so much talent at 12. I know. I mean, it's think crazy. about it. If you look at everybody who walks that door on a Sunday morning, yeah. there's so many people who are experts in so many different things. Yeah. And so I love that you asked that. Are you using your expertise for the common good or are you content with just using it for your good and your family's good? Yeah. So some gut punches, some haymakers you threw. Haymakers, man. Whoa. I really liked it. But the topic's too important, I think. And that's why, that's why I really leaned into it. Yeah. Because we really do need to reflect the diversity of the Trinity. And then that, that there was one more. It's, the, it's, we have different views and practices, each of us on secondary biblical mm. issues. Yeah. And so can we be a place that allows diversity there? Because that's where a lot of churches fall down is on that one. Well, this is the hardest one. I was going to leave it off, Garen. I was going to go. You were just going to. You know, I was going to go training wheels for you because <laughs> Mahomes really put you through it last night. So I was going to give you an easy Monday. But if you want to dive in, we'll go there, Garen. Because this is the hardest one. It is. Yeah, views it's in really the body. Hard. At 12th, our views that we, that we say everybody needs to hold this same view is strictly limited to orthodoxy, uh-huh. which means what, Garen? Orthodoxy would be there is one God who is creator of all and he exists in a community of three, the mm-hmm. Trinity. Jesus is God. He is fully divine. Jesus uh, came to earth to give me salvation. My salvation is only in him and by his work on the cross, nothing that I do, that he will return one day in the future. And salvation by grace, so connected the the atonement and salvation. That's a, that's orthodoxy. Those are the key things, and that's what we agree on. But outside of that, there's a lot of other stuff in the Bible that people have different interpretations or thoughts. And so, mm-hmm. can I let? So to me, that's the core. Can I let people have a different view on the end times than I do, mm-hmm. or on church polity, how that looks, or maybe um, spiritual gifts? Or Calvinism, Arminian. I mean, there's so many of these things. Like, can I worship with a brother who doesn't agree with me on some of those things? And I'm not going to force conformity mm-hmm. because we're centered around Jesus. But a lot of churches have to be, they demand a unity of conformity. You've got to be with us on all these issues or go find another church. And we all know churches that are known by tons of secondary issues. I just want us to be known by Jesus and the core. Yeah. So that's views. And then practices. I kind of need your help. The ones I can think of are things that probably would create. I mean, the big controversial one for me, when I was became a new believer, I was in a church that said, that held that 
total abstinence from alcohol was biblical. And I just, that's what they said. And I thought it. And then I, there was a guy in the church who had a beer occasionally. And I saw one in the refrigerator. And I'm like, Christians can't have a beer in their refrigerator. And he goes, is that what scripture says? And I go, uh, I don't know. And he says, you know, Ephesians says, don't be drunk. He says, that's the command. I don't get drunk. It doesn't say I can't have a beer. Paul, he, Paul tells Timothy, have a little wine for your sour stomach, right? Mm-hmm. And so that would be, that's just, that's probably not the best one, but there's examples of things of like, the people can choose under the leading of the Holy Spirit. We have the sole liberty that I can, you can believe in abstinence from alcohol and that's your conviction. That's fine. But scripture is not clear. And so I can, I can have a beer with my friend sometimes. And for me, under the leading of the Spirit, that's fine for me. Sure. And that we can allow each other to be there. And, and Paul talks about that with several things, right? Like, I think another one is which day of the week you consider holy uh-huh. or take a rest on, right? Yeah, for him, the practice was food or which food, can you eat this or can you eat that? And then the belief was, oh, that day is holy. No, it's not holy. Every day is holy. Like, yeah, so they, they were wrestling with stuff in Rome that we would think is whacked. Like, what are they, they're fighting over that? But we have issues in our day. I mean, when I first became a Christian, it was, can a girl wear pants in that church? Mm. Girls couldn't wear pants, right? And that was an issue at one time. Nobody fights about that anymore. But mm-hmm. every generation has their little practice issues that people want to elevate to primary. And scripture would say, our soul liberty, Paul would say, you got to give each other freedom in that. Yeah. So what you're talking about here is deference and secondary issues. Here comes yes. this D word again. Yeah, Defer- there it is. Deference is not going away. Yeah. It's something that we're called to. And I love that you brought it back here. But in, in, and you took us this question here again, Garen. Can you allow room for others in the body who have different views on secondary issues than you? And this is going to upset people and it's going to be hard for people and it's going to rub people the wrong way. But truly, this is, this is the mark of what it means to be a biblical church, right? Yes. Not a unity of conformity, but a unity of diversity. Yes. And, the, and I think the fear, maybe, maybe I'll ask you this, Garen, in a sec. I'll say, Garen, why is there so much fear and anger behind this? My thought is that because someone might think, well, if they're going to slip on this secondary issue, maybe next yes, they're coming for the you, orthodoxy. Yes, that's what you hear. Yep. Right? Because if mm-hmm. you're willing to fold on this, well, uh-huh. maybe you're willing to fold on the Trinity uh-huh. or on salvation. And so I, that's my thought on why this is so emotionally charged and there's a lot of fear and anger behind it. Is there, is that true for you yeah, as well? Yeah, I think it's that. I, you hear that like, oh, if, well, if you're going to fold on, I mean, that's what you say. Oh, if, if women can start wearing pants in the church, what's next, right? And Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, there's, <laughs> pretty soon we don't believe that, we don't believe that Jesus is the creator. And you're like, what? No, wait, what's the connection with that? Because yeah. scripture's really, really clear on one, mm-hmm. but doesn't even address the other. So that's kind of where you have to. I think the other thing is, is just human pride. Mm. I really want to believe, I have a belief. I've come to a conviction on an issue and I think it's correct. Yeah. And I think human fallen pride is like, I want everybody to believe what I believe. They don't, yeah. they're wrong. Right. And to me, it takes humility to say, you know, I hold this, but I hold it loosely because I might be wrong and you might be right. And I'm going to, you know, I may get to having to find out half of what I, half of those secondary things, I was on the wrong side of it. And yeah, so you got to hold those. But I think human pride comes in on that a lot. You brought in another phrase that might be new to some people. And you even mentioned it here in the pod already. So I want you to unpack it a little more. Soul liberty, Garen, talk about what that means. It's the idea that there are areas in the, there, there are teachings in the scripture that aren't like, it seems like it talks about this and it talks like spiritual gifts. Are they, are the sign gifts like tongues? Are they done? Are they not done? It's only referenced in First Corinthians 13. It's kind of a passage like, there's different ideas on what that's talking about. 
And so it's, it's that I have the sole liberty before God as a priest of God, the priest of the believer, that I can read the scripture to the best of my ability, interpret it. I can come to my own conclusion and I can hold that, but I can't make you have to agree with me on that. That's that idea of soul liberty. And in practices, like we talked about, like, do I have to, you know, does a woman have to wear jeans? I mean, that's that old one, but sure. it's that there's areas that scripture doesn't talk about things, ethical things. There's very clear ethical standards on sexuality, no sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman, right? That very clear on that. But there's other things that just doesn't address, and that's where we have to be like before the Holy Spirit. I am going to humbly come to my own conviction on that behavior, and I'm going to hold to it, and I'm not going to judge other people because theirs is different than mine. And soul liberty is actually one of the Baptist distinctives. It is a Baptist am distinctive. I right? And yes. what does that mean? What's a Baptist distinctive? Yeah, it's something that set it's like a teaching that set Baptists apart. Like we're Church separation, church and state is another big one. Or each church is independent. There's no hierarchy you go over us telling us what to do. But that's one of the soul liberty is that we have as individuals the ability before Scripture to come to our own convictions on some things. And that's what we're going to do in April. So hopefully we can define it more yeah. from Scripture. We won't dive, dive too much into it, but that's just surprising to me because there's all these stigmas with Southern Baptists that like, I know. we can't do this, we yeah. can't do this. Can't. But actually one of the things that literally defines us in the Baptist faith and message is soul liberty. Like, yes. One, one of the things that makes me Baptist is the fact that I reserve the right for you to think differently about R-rated movies and gambling and tobacco and those things than me. Like that's what marks us as Baptists. And yet, and I'm not saying those are good or bad things, but we get so caught up on the secondary stuff and literally what it means to be a Baptist in, in one sense is that I reserve the right for you to disagree with me on those things. Yeah. Now, hear us on this. If we're talking about this and you're like, whoa, we're getting in some dangerous territory here. If somebody comes into your office, Garen, and they say, I don't know about this Trinity thing. Can we flex on that? You know, or any of these orthodoxy things. No. You're going to be the first one yeah. to say, no, no, the Bible is so clear on this. It's we have to submit clear. ourselves to the Bible. Even if like we don't fully understand the Trinity, or my flesh wages war against the fact that I can't earn my salvation. I have to submit myself to God's word in these things. Yep. But outside of these things that we have deemed orthodoxy, we have to say, brother, sister, I can still worship next to you and not agree with you on yep. you know, X, Y, Z. Because we're here for Jesus and our focus is on him. So Yeah, not about my, my preferences or comfort. It's about something bigger. So deference, that word's not going away, huh, Garen? Nope, not going away. Dang it. I really was I hoping know. that was like a one-week teaching the, and yeah. it could be about me again after that, but... <laughs> Shoot. Okay. Um, can I talk one more thing or say one more thing about diversity, Garen? Yeah. Ask you a question. So, you know, my diversity, it can either create disunity in the body or it can be a part of this. We used the word mosaic earlier. It can be a part of this beautiful mosaic, a part of God's plan for his church. So how do I ensure that, you know, the diversity that I experience or the diversity in our body, how do we, how do we ensure that that contributes to the good of the body and doesn't tear the body apart? Because it's, it's like this, Diversity is this thing that could either be a weapon or it could be a really good tool. Yeah. So how do we make sure it's used for good? I think, so I think this unity section to me is the main thing I think of is I've got to keep it in. That's why even when I ended, I asked, well, like, what are we to be unified around? And our culture would say what we should be unified on is our individuality and our uniqueness and our diversity. That's not what scripture talks about, that the unity is around Jesus and the kingdom of God and the triune God. And that's what keeps the diversity healthy. When I lose unity, then diversity becomes divisive mm. or, so that's why that unity part of it is so important. Yeah. They're so both no, important. I hold them both in tension, but that unity is what binds it together. It's the glue. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, we moved on to this unity. So we talked about, you know, diversity in the body and the ways we're called to be diverse. Now we're going to talk about unity in the body and the things that we are to be unified on. You first of all talked about unity uh, being non-negotiable for believers, right? Acts 4, Philippians 2, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, all places that talk about the body being of one heart and one mind, that we're to live at peace with each other. We're to make every effort to keep unity with each other. I mean, it's not something that is mentioned once. It is, yeah. we're being it's, hit over the head with unity because it is so important to these New Testament authors. And then one verse, I don't. I mean, I know I've read it, but it really stuck out to me Sunday, Romans 16, 17, that we are to actively avoid those who cause division in the body. That means that there's somebody in our church who is actively causing division, I'm called, you know, maybe maybe to go to them and love if I know yep. them, but at the very least to not be around them. Yep. And that's how important unity is in the body. Yes. And how often if we hear gossip or we hear somebody starts dropping somebody's name in a negative way, we join in on it, we listen to it. And what Paul would say is, is like, you stay away from that. Yeah. You. So this is a challenge, not just to the person that is being a disunifier in the body. This is a challenge to people around them, that you are not to listen to that. You're yeah. not to indulge that in any yeah. way. Yes. You're to distance yourself and say, man, that is, that is poison. I cannot be yeah. a part of that because yeah. that's what's going to tear this body yeah. apart. I will not be a part of this body becoming disunified. And then we do not embody God. And then I mean, we'll get to it. And then the watching world says, see, that's what I told you. They're a bunch of, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah. No love, no unity there. Right. Yeah, we'll get to that. But so then, you know, you talk about what is what is our unity built around? Well, it's built around Jesus and his kingdom, right? Matthew 6, uh, Galatians 3, that, that there is one thing this unity is centered around and it's Jesus and his mission for us. Yeah. And so our unity can't be about secondary things. It can't be about uh-huh. the fact that, you know, we both agree on all these secondary issues. It's got to be about the main thing. So let me ask you, Garen, what if our unity becomes about something other than the main thing? What if you and I, you know, we share a lot of similar views on secondary stuff. What if our unity starts to become about that? Yeah. What does that look like? That's, I, and because scripture is not clear on some of those things, that's when splintering happens. When you do, it, what the unity is so clear. I mean, the things in scripture that are the main thing are so clear that that's why they're clear. Those other things, once I start focusing on those and churches do, it's, it just creates, yeah, so many divisions. I mean, I'm thinking, even as you were talking, like when I was in Bible college, pastors would get up in our chapel and when they defined our Bible college, it was like a 25 word sentence. We are premillennial, you know, we are postmillennial, oh, wow. blah, blah. And they'd have this long description. We are King James only. We are blah, blah, blah. No way. And they'd have these really long lists. And I'm like, wow, that's what defines us is all huh. of that. Like, what if I prefer the New American Standard because I don't understand the King James or, wow. you know, uh, yeah. And what it did is it created, it, here's what, it created a very narrow group. Jordan. Yeah. And we all know churches that are like that, uh-huh. that are so, they demand conformity on so many things. It becomes a really small group. Mm-hmm. They're very narrow focused and nobody else is really welcome. That's not the body of Christ, right? right? That's not. Garen, do you think that your experience with those things and your negative reaction to them has shaped your passion for oh, very unity much so. and diversity? Yes. yes. Because it never felt like Jesus to me. It never felt like the Jesus I was drawn to. Yeah. It felt more like the Pharisees. Right. I'm like, this feels like the bad guys, yeah. like in the story. Are we the bad guys? So yes, it very much formed me. And I have very strong convictions on this. And that's, and I had a number of people tell me, I kind of felt like you feel strongly about yeah. this. Right. And I do, because yeah. I've been there. I've been in those places yeah. and it's not pretty and there's no grace. Yeah. And there's a lot of judgment. Yeah. And it's not good. I think your anger against that is, 
the kind of anger that we see in Jesus when the outsiders get left out, right? Yeah. And I think we all know that churches that are like that, they're not really, you know, friendly to outsiders. And so somebody who's looking for the gospel may wander in and immediately either be turned off or think, well, I don't belong here. So maybe I'm not cut out for this kind of thing. And so, uh, yeah, super important, not just for the body, but for outsiders looking in and coming and trying out church, that we are a place that is centered around the right stuff. Yeah. Because we want them to feel that as they walk through the door. You talked really briefly, and maybe you're going to talk more about this in April, I'm not sure, but this whole bounded set, centered set thing. Is that more to come on that? There is more to come on that. But again, it's the idea of, are we focusing on the boundary issues, which is, are we agreeing on every doctrine, every practice, every minor thing, or are we going to be centered set on Jesus and the core? We want unity is at the core. Mm-hmm. I mean, orthodoxy is mm-hmm. at the core. So we're going to be orthodox, but Jesus and the Trinity and the, the death, burial, and resurrection, that's all in there, right? Are we going to be focused on that? Or are we going to be focused on the other stuff? Yeah. And one of them is really about rules and who's in and who's out. The other one is really, I didn't say a lot, but, and you talked, and I talked with some people last week. It's about direction. It's about love. What do I love? And yeah, you know, you love what I love. We love Jesus. So let's, let's go after that. And one of the best parts of my job is that I get to oversee volunteers who work with students. And so this past week, it's funny, this happened. This is really weird on this timing, but one of them texted me and said, Hey, I'm working through, you know, uh, I'm working with a student and we're just talking about beliefs, like really core beliefs that we hold and things like that. And he said, could you give me a list of um, 12th Avenue stances on all these things? And he listed off all these secondary issues. And I just texted back, like, you know, we talk about this, this, and this are the core, but outside of that, you know, we go to scripture and we let the Holy Spirit lead us. And, and there's diversity in our body on these things. You're not going to find anybody who's going to say, this is the stance for, of 12th on that. Yeah. Cause it's not a core issue. And they were like, Oh, I really like that. That's yeah. good. So is this, a, is this a, a common thing within churches? Do churches do unity and diversity well, or is it a stumbling yeah, block for I a lot of a spots? I think a lot of them don't. I think that's how a lot of denominations formed, was they formed around secondary issues. Mm. And yeah, I've got, I've got, yeah, that's interesting. I could tell you, if you asked me, push me on some beliefs on certain secondary issues, I could tell you what I believe, but I am uninterested in promoting those in 12 because there are mm-hmm. people who don't agree with me and I've got to hold that with humility and I can't make it about those things. Yeah, and I think that's one of the most mysterious things about you in the pulpit. I think people are always really curious to hear your personal opinion on secondary things because you're so slow to share them. And you've, in fact, I don't remember you really sharing many of them at all from the pulpit. A lot of times those are on one-on-ones or you yeah. know, smaller groups. So I think people are curious what you think about those things and maybe you'll share it sometimes, maybe you won't, but what you communicate from the stage by not sharing it is exactly what gets me so excited that there's something bigger at stake here. Yes. It's not about Garen's view on the rapture or X, Y, Z. It's about Jesus and, and bringing people to him. Yeah. And it, are there right and wrong ways to think about these secondary things? Oh, for sure there are, but that's not what we're rallying around. Yeah. Or if we're in a passage that deals with a secondary issue, what I would do is I will try to very honestly give, there's three really solid views on this. Mm, yeah. This is maybe, this is what I kind of prefer. Yeah. But I, I try to leave it like those are also good ones. Yeah. And, I, and you don't have to. But of course, the two that you that. don't agree with, you know, you say that you kind of mumble them and they're quick. And then the last one you really, you know, take your time <laughs> yeah. on. And, and so we can read between the lines on that one. Yeah. You or, can kind of read between the lines. Yeah, like right. I said, you know, uh, I give a lot. Like I, I say, really, it doesn't matter who you root for in the NFL. But the truth of the matter is, right. we know that 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 Broncos Chiefs. That's actually a primary issue. That's that not is, secondary. That's orthodoxy. Yeah, that yeah. falls into orthodoxy. But I right. won't go much more into that. So. Man, yeah, we, uh, 
Man, we almost made a whole podcast without we going into that dark without place, that, Garen. Without going in the dark. Shoot, okay. We got there. Okay, as we wrap up here, you know, John 17, you know, Jesus tells the disciples as he's sending them out, you know, the world is going to know you by your love. They're going to know that I sent you by your love. And so um, that's and how we are to be seen by the world. Yeah. It's one of the most important things that we can do is, is show that love. And they'll know I was sent by the Father by your unity. Mm. That's so powerful. Mm. In other words, if, I, if we're disunified, what that tells people is this thing's a crock. Yeah. It's not true. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's not life-changing. It's just like any other religion. It divides people. Right. Yeah. Right. If, if we're seen uh, not loving others well in the body, not deferring well to others, not finding beauty in the differences on secondary things, then we're just like the world. Yeah. We're just like everybody else. Yeah. And they're like, that's not real. Yeah. Totally. Can we end this the way you ended your message? with that Ortberg quote, because I just thought it was so good. Yeah, I was actually trying to pull that thing up and uh, my computer is frozen. But oh, essentially, no. <laughs> you know, when he he says, like, especially that last part, like if you're part of this unity, what was the sentence? He said it really strong. It's like, you are, you're against, you're against God or you're um, like, you're on his wrong side or something. I don't know. It just was so... So strong. And he talked about the part that I really wanted to hear again was how there is more diversity in heaven than hell. Oh, yeah. That was the Lewis. That Lewis That's says, really wanted, really wanted yeah. to get out. So will you yeah. unpack that for me real quick? Oh, that was a Lewis quote. That was the Lewis uh-huh, when I was doing diversity. Oh. That in hell, like Satan hates, actually hates diversity in hell. Yeah. Everything's the same. It's bland. Mm. It's colorless. You know, everybody has to act the same kind of thing. And um, that actually God is the one who loves true diversity. Satan doesn't. Yeah. And so that heaven has a lot more variety. New huh. creation will have a lot more variety than hell ever will. So that's what I wanted to end with. Yeah. So I'm glad we had that mix yeah, that's up. That's very, actually end on the right just point. a very profound thing to think about. That's pretty cool. Okay, guys, we went a little long with this one, but loved this discussion, loved this message. There's a lot to it. Go back and listen if you haven't yet. Um, it's all about unity in diversity and letting our differences bring glory to God and not divide us. So thank you for being with us. Next week, part five. Yeah, getting into another thing with the Trinity. This one I'll just keep totally oh quiet on. But uh, it's that it's that crazy, huh? You can't even give yeah. a, a teaser. Okay. Well, come next week, we'll talk about it. Thanks, guys.